0: Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, June 15th through 17th, join the legion of celebrities, comic book stars, animators, voice actors, and costume heroes for Denver Comic Con at Colorado Convention Center. Hundreds of dealers and artists, gaming, exciting events, meet Glenn, Maggie, and Carl from Walking Dead, Will Wheaton, stars from Marvel and DC Comics, Star Wars, Dark Knight Rises, True Blood, Futurama, Fringe, and more. Hotel packages available. Proceeds benefit Comic Book Classroom and After School Literacy and Arts Program. Proceeds benefit Comic Book Classroom and After School Literacy and Arts Program. Be a hero this Father's Day and get tickets at Denver for ComicCon.com.
1: In Colorado, there is only one place that has the best selection of collectibles. Colorado Coins, Cards, and Comics. For over
2: 27 years, Colorado Coins, Cards, and Comics has been the ultimate destination for collectors.
3: They have a wide selection of hard-to-find coins, action figures, role-playing cards. You can go over there and get
1: yourself a copy of Dominion. Uh, And sports memorabilia. Hey, Peyton Manning's a Bronco. I was there yesterday. They have a signed Peyton Manning jersey. And of course, they've got comics, which is what I go there for. All their back issues are half off. On Saturday, all dollar issues are only 50 cents.
2: And if you sign up for a hold slot, you'll get 20% off graphic novels and comics.
1: So stop by 6700 Wadsworth Boulevard in Arvada, Colorado and tell them the real nerd sent you. Hey, everybody. Ryan from Real Nerds here. I'm here with my good friend Joe of Birdman Barbecue. Joe, why don't you give us a little bit of history of Birdman Barbecue?
0: Well, actually, it's a family recipe that's been passed down uh, for uh, for generations. My wife's dad has it now, and uh, we're just now starting to bottle it up. We've got two different flavors, uh, original and spicy, so if you want a nice kick to the back of your throat, try that spicy. And now we've also got a rub, too. So,
1: uh, You know, Joe, I have to be honest. I love the spicy barbecue, and if you... Put your rub on burgers with a spicy barbecue.
0: Off the chain. I'm glad that you're being honest, Ryan, because that's what we like is off the chain. You know, Thank you I'm, for trying that.
1: I'm so glad that you like that I said off the chain because what's even more off the chain is you guys go around Colorado and other places and you actually enter in contests for your barbecue sauce if you want anything. Uh,
0: yeah, I mean, we, uh, we, we've we entered our sauce in quite a few contests. Uh, and actually, we, we uh, got second place. Uh, in the Frisco barbecue competition, so for our sauce, just the sauce—that's that's that's pretty cool. We've also won, you know, different categories for side items and different things like that. But the sauce winning is was the crowning crowning achievement. And you know what's so fun. cool
1: about being in Colorado is I can go to places around town to pick up the sauce. Where can I get? Yeah, the go sauce? to your
0: local area Ace Hardware stores. Uh, check out Ruff's Barbecue in Golden, uh, we're and then check out your local festivals, uh, Frisco, Dillon. We're uh, hitting up all those this year. So,
1: and also I know too, you also run. Contest on your Facebook page. If you get a certain amount of likes, you always do a free drawing for a free bottle of barbecue sauce. Where can we find you on Facebook? Absolutely.
0: It's uh, BirdmanBBQ.com or on Facebook, I guess. It's just Birdman BBQ on Facebook. Uh, check it out. Uh, yeah, every hundred likes that we get, we uh, enter everybody that likes us into a drawing for a bucket of barbecue, which is a, a bottle of each sauce and one of our rubs.
1: So Awesome. So, yeah, make sure you like Birdman Barbecue. Check out Joe when he's doing little things around town with Frisco and Winning competitions. You know what the barbecue sauce is? Delicious. <laughs> Welcome to Real Nerds. I am Ryan. In front of me is. Brad. To my right is. James. Hey, James. How's it going today? Pretty good. How you doing? Good, Brad. How you doing today?
2: Doing better than last week. Yeah, you sound yeah. way better. Thank yeah. you.
3: Also, you've got your shirt off, and you look manly as hell, you sir. You do. Man, There's people don't want to hear that. Poppin'. It's like he's pushing you People do want to hear that. They can hear the sex through the <laughs> internet, man. Permeating. Seriously. I'm banging your ears. He got, <laughs> he got mad earlier. He took that shirt off, and I was like, oh, what? Brad is fucking your ear holes well, right now. I know. To me, it's really
2: <laughs> hot out, so I was... It on top of hot. trying to fix the laptop, I was just burning you know, it up. Yeah, he needs he needs to chill. Yeah, he does. It's cooling down. I'm getting I'm getting more acclimated to this environment.
1: Uh just to remind people, you can now leave us voicemails and that we will play on the show and then we'll react on the show. You can call us at seven two zero six nerds five. If you want, you can also email us, realnerds at gmail dot com. You can leave comments on our brand new website, RealNerdspodcast.com. Our Twitter account, of course, is at real underscore nerds. And like us on Facebook. That's where you'll get all the up-to-date news about us doing cool things. I don't know if they're cool, but I think they are. Brad, do we do cool things? Absolutely we do. Thank you. Yeah, oh, yeah, 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 I was, yeah, I was, yeah. I was looking for you know a little yeah. more support there, guys. I said, no, we idea. do cool things. You both look at me like, mm, Sorry, I'm just going to see a movie every week. We go to comic
2: book auctions. We go have booths at comic book conventions. F- that's what I like to hear.
3: Sorry, I'm just still in shock because of the movie we saw this week. Hey, what movie do we see this week, James? We saw Prometheus.
1: We did see Prometheus, but before we can even talk about Prometheus, it's time to unspool some real news.
0: It's real news! Whoa.
3: you see how like, I just totally changed that? That was cool. Unspool <laughs> some real.
1: We need to re-record all the podcasts so <laughs> we can put that in it. Well, I'm glad you really like that, James. I, yeah, I, I was, I was trying to think of a cool way to start introducing real <laughs> news, and now that I've explained that I've been thinking about it, it kind of loses its luster. Like I just didn't pull it out of my ass, but um, it's like you told the mm.
2: joke and then explained it.
1: Yeah, exactly. So it kind of loses it, but yeah, that was my. Uh, that's what I think about when I'm at work and hating life. Well, why don't you segue us into news now? I will. I will absolutely do that. The number one <laughs> movie last week was Snow White and the Huntsman. Yeah, which kind of surprised me. I will be honest. Actually, I don't. I'm not surprised it's number one movie. I'm surprised that it made fifty six million dollars. Yeah. Well, That's I don't, I don't think time. our
3: audience was that full
1: or our screening. I ah, mean. uh, but when you have almost four thousand screens, then you know. Yeah, I guess that that goes pretty far. And in fact, it it did
3: so well that they are um, immediately trying to make a sequel. Uh, and we were talking about this before the podcast, but they are getting David Kep to script the sequel, and they're trying to get him to script it really, really fast, so that they you can, can make it do it really, though. really fast. Yeah. Um, he has an amazing track record of everything except for the cr- Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Um, <laughs> Still not a bad
1: movie. I don't care what anybody says. Um, he yeah, probably
2: didn't write Shia LaBeouf uh, swinging from vines. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're right. <laughs> that <was laughs> probably a storyboard creation. <laughs> a lot
3: of the stuff that's bad in that movie was never written. It just happened at my face. His um,
2: his, a, a his contribution to that was probably they get chased by the Russian forces. Exactly. <laughs> Insert Spielbergian and <laughs> yeah. Lucas inspiration. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Absolutely. Thanks, Box Office Mojo, for your incredible box office, box office tracking skills. Lots of movies come out next week. Really? Yeah, and I'm really disappointed, Brad, that you didn't put my boyfriend's movie on the very top. But the first movie that Brad listed on here was Ghost Rider Spirit of Vengeance. Remember when we saw that? Yeah.
4: Anybody,
1: is that, your, is that you, your boyfriend's movie? No, no. I mean, I do love Nick Cage. Um, I just put them I on Nick in the order your boyfriend. of I don't know who his boyfriend is. <laughs> yeah. Um, Sherlock Holmes, A Game of Shadows, oh. also comes out next week. That Boyfriend. Right. Um, Brad's number one movie when we do our year-end film explosion, I don't even have to say. I'm not, I'm not even going to be surprised. It's Father's Day.
2: Oh, wait. That actually might be two weeks from now because it's listed as this week on Digital Bits, but when you click on it, it says July or June 26th.
1: Probably because huh. they never want to release so. that abortion. <laughs> 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 Whatever. You know you're going to see it. I'm probably going to see it. Yeah, uh, I'll borrow it from you. I'm not going to spend money on it. you Are buy- Are you buying it? You'll love it. You'll buy it after that was, you watch it. That was the movie. Cool. That was the movie with the chick who bites
3: dude's
2: dicks off, right? Uh, The guy who bites dude's dicks off. <laughs> right, oh, right, right. Even better. <laughs> Get it right, okay.
3: <laughs> Entourage, season I'm just, eight. I'm just glad that you said yes, because if you said no and I made that up like it was a dream or something, like... <laughs> I just bailed James out.
1: Oh, Wow. Um, Entourage she's an eight, we're talking. I can't believe there's eight fucking seasons of that show. Yeah. Have you ever tried to watch it? No, I've never tried I to. I have. Because my wife forces me to watch Sex and the City. When you tell me it's men with Sex and the City, I don't want to watch it.
3: I got farther in Entourage than I did
1: with, with The Wire, but that doesn't say that I got it very far. <laughs> um, Superman versus the Elite? I don't even know what that... Uh, cartoon is about Brad do you know what it's about me
2: neither I just saw it and it's superhero related so I threw it on there but
1: it's probably just another one of their DC it is cartoons. a DC direct I've seen cover art for it but I don't know what he's fighting yeah must the, be the elite I guess it, it must, must be a, the elite from uh,
3: deep DC cut yeah
1: Tosh.0 hoodies which uh, I guess his seasons are broken up by what he's wearing yeah um, the new Spider-Man one two three like they're re-releasing the trilogy on blu-ray of course because the new movie comes out yeah and the box art is fucking terrible really yeah. what is it it's basically they took the face of Spider Man and the face of the Green Goblin and put it on a blue, either side of either the either side of the yeah, like the art. And the background is Spider Man blue. Uh like not the comic, but like the Spider Man blue color. And yeah. it has a one in between the two heads. Or for Spider Man two, it has a two in between Doc Ock and Spider Man. Oh. So they take the amazing posters and original yeah. art and through, through in the trash, I guess. Threw in the trash, because I guess people need... I want to get them because they have all the uh, special features that are not on the trilogy that I got when Spider-Man 3 came out on Blu-ray. Yeah. But Brad gave me a great idea last week, is I'm just going to change out the Take, box art in them and oh, put the dude, old ones in. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Because, I mean, I don't need to idea, read though. what special features there are. Yeah, because they're terrible.
2: And if anything, you could just... I don't know. They don't show you what the back looks like, so you could cut the back of the cover and slide it over the back of the ah, yeah. cool one that
1: you put in. So. Yeah, because they're cheap. I think they're only like 11 bucks or something. Yeah. Speaking of bad box art, you could
3: actually do that with the Star Wars Blu-rays. Get your I love the Star Wars, Star Wars, Wars. Blu-ray.
1: Uh, I hated that box art. Yeah. Harold and Mod, the Criterion collection. There you go, Sierra. She's still not listening. Also, the Gold Rush, Criterion. That's uh, Charlie, Charlie Chaplin. Chaplin. Yeah. I think that's his first one of his first movies. Or remember correctly, from Chaplin.
3: <laughs> yep. It's the one where that famous, um, that scene where he he makes the potatoes dance on the table. Yeah, it might
1: be the first one with the tramp in it. I don't mm. remember. Um, it is an important movie. It is, yeah, thank you. It is. It's a really famous one. And if you actually watch its Chaplin movies, they're actually pretty entertaining. Mm-hmm. I catch them every once in a while on Turner Classic Movies. I watched The Great Dictator. Yeah. That movie's, I don't know, almost three hours long. I was entertained the whole time. Like the when he was in his barber chair and he's getting his haircut, and the chairs are going up and down. I thought it was fun. It's one of those things that I've I have
3: always meant to go back and revisit. i 'cause I've I've seen the little snippets and stuff and I've sat down and watched maybe an hour of one, but I don't even remember which one. I certainly haven't seen the important ones.
1: Yeah, I really want to get the Criterion of the Great Dictator because it's really cool and um I always mean to pick it up. But then uh, you know, I don't know. Thirty bucks for some reason I didn't Well yeah criterion. it's Criterion's gonna have some awesome special. Oh features. yeah, Criterion makes great uh movies uh blu-rays and stuff shallow grave criterion what's that one brad it's just another criterion that was
2: in the i'm
1: sure is it like a kind of like a 1950s kind of sounds Got ewan
2: mcgregor in it it's from like 1990 something no 1950s i
1: thought it was like a 1950s like gangster (laughs) uh yeah i don't know this
2: is part of the criterion releases so i thought i thought i'd include it there
1: awesome so thanks digital bits again you can click on links on digital bits take you to amazon Buy from those links because you support Digital Bits. Uh, This Brad added something new on here. He added the Esquire Midnight Schedule. Oh, yeah. Um, I wasn't sure if I
2: wanted to include this as a commercial at the beginning of the show from now on, or have you just continued to read it.
1: Whatever. Do you want me to read it this week? Sure. Okay. Save me some work. (laughs) (laughs) It's up to you. Esquire Midnight Schedule. If you're in Denver, the Esquire does um, Midnight Madness. Is that what it's called there? Um, And they always usually have pretty interesting movies. Um, June 15th and 16th is A Turtle Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. I didn't fall in love with that that movie as much as other people did. It's all right. Um, June 12th and 23rd is, I mean, June 22nd and 23rd is The Mask. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know I have not seen that movie in years. I remember when I was little I liked it. Yeah. Um, June 29th and 30th is Fast Times at Ridgemont High. And July 6th and 7th is Rushmore. To me, like, Seeing Fast Times at Ridgemont High in a theater doesn't really excite me.
2: Yeah, they're not all winners. <laughs> yeah. But, <I> mean. <laughs> but I'll be there for Rushmore.
1: I know you will be. You will be. Cool. James, what's uh, some real news you got for me?
4: Uh, Well,
3: we got a couple of things. We have good news. We have bad news. All kinds of things. And usually we don't talk about trailers on the podcast um, just because, I don't know, it doesn't feel like news. Mm-hmm. We had some cool ones this week we did. that I want to talk about. Uh, we all, actually, before the movie we saw, got to see the Django Unchained trailer. And, oh, man, how cool is that thing, It was right? really cool. That looks fun.
1: I, yeah, absolutely. That's um, a nice Tarantino feel already in the trailer.
3: And it's weird because I feel like we haven't seen him tackle something. Like, Western movies are very much, a, a, like, that genre is very set. Like, we have mm-hmm. certain expectations for it. Um, and I feel like he is taking his thing and... This other and the western genre, those western genre tropes, and sort of slamming them together, like the whole trailer has got seventies music and stuff like that. But at the same time, he's going and getting those shots from old spaghetti westerns and throwing it in there. It, yeah, it's kind of exciting.
1: It is. It's um, cool. So, and I love Leo holding a chalice that has a coconut with a straw in it. Just kind of his character is obviously obviously some sort of aristocrat and um, cares a lot about how he looks and what he's doing. It looks like he's having fun in the movie, which you don't see him have too often. Yeah, he always has, like, serious. Yeah, since roles. Catch Me If You Can, I think it's maybe the last time he's really had fun in a movie. Um. Also,
2: like, since Tarantino's tackled, like, this is a Western, the one he did before was a World War II movie. Mm-hmm. And then I think before that was. Grindhouse, wasn't it? Grindhouse, yeah. Death so it like a. Yeah, like a.
3: Throwback like a B movie. And then before yeah.
2: that was Kill Bill. Yeah. So that's like a Japanese.
3: Well, the second one is a Western. The first one is a Japanese revenge film, yeah. Yeah. So, like, does that mean his next thing's going to be a sci-fi movie? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I. Yeah, he has done a lot of genre stuff. But you know what I mean? Like, there aren't – those other genres aren't as defined, I feel like, mm-hmm. as a Western is. Like, there's just certain things that we expect from a Western that – you know,
2: I'm just excited about the idea of like what Tarantino would do with a <laughs> sci-fi movie. Cause that's, <laughs> yeah. it's the farthest office radar. I think maybe. that would
3: be pretty crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Well to see, I don't think he's talked at all about what the next what one next? was. Yeah. He, so he, very, he doesn't movies. really do that too often.
1: No. Well, but I like, mean the glorious bastards, I know he wanted to make for a while, yeah. but usually he kind of just says, Oh, this is the next movie I'm making.
3: Yeah. Like when Kill Bill popped up, it was just like, yeah. Oh, and he had been so quiet for years that, um, yeah. So it'll be cool. Um, I look forward to that movie. Did you guys watch the trailer for Stiffs? We talked about this last week. No, the, I didn't. The Kevin Smith comedy. You should check it out. It's really weird because it's... I think it's actually really funny. There's some great stuff in it. But it is shot like some kids with a cheap camera in a high school. Like, All of the main characters mm. are clearly high school students um, and actually that age. Um, and just the... I don't even know how to describe it. I don't know what camera they're using or whatever, but it it looks like home video pretty much um which is not entirely a bad thing uh it's it's just really interesting i it it makes the whole thing more more of something i want to i don't mean i want to watch the movie i mean i want to watch what happens as he tries to do this cuz he didn't go and get some movie that like well nobody else is really willing to fund this but it is clearly really good and i'll just this will be the one that i go with he went and found something that like no one would have ever seen and no one would have ever put out there and he is trying to promote it. And I think that's really interesting.
2: Hmm. I think um, he's what he did. He's doing what that one guy did for uh, him and Clerks.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, that's definitely what it feels like. Yeah. Um, did you guys watch the trailer for Flight?
1: No. Nope. Okay. I read about it because I was interested because it's Zemeckis' first film that he's made that's not... Motion capture and what 10 years or something, yeah. And when you watch it, it actually comes up and says, like, from
3: Robert Zemeckis, the director of Forrest Gump and Castaway, and that's exactly what it looks like. Sweet. Um, it's a little, there's a little bit over the topness. Maybe it's just because Denzel Washington anymore, I see him and I just think he's in like Unstoppable or some other crazy movie like that, and there's a little bit of that in it, but it, it is so clearly Robert Zemeckis, and in a fresh way that I just in the trailer, I could already tell, like, this is. This is going to be kind of special for me because I miss that guy. Those those two movies, Forrest Gump and Cassaway, are so important to me um, that to have him basically not being in movies for the last 10, 15 years is, was heartbreaking, and to see him come back uh, is kind of exciting. But um, now onto the real news, the real, real news, I should say uh they announced this week poor uh, unfortunately that they're they're going back and doing what is maybe 7 weeks of reshoots on World War Z uh which is a very bad sign it means that they've gotten they've sort of gotten their their you know all of their shots together and compiled it and realized that the movie they have is kind of dog shit um
1: did you read about this Ryan uh no i mean my only thing is is maybe it's bad or they it was gonna be a Christmas movie, and then since they moved it to the summer, they decided that they have more time and they can make it cooler as a summer movie.
3: That that could be, but I it's it's really rare. I've never seen anybody do that big of reshoots.
1: Yeah, and I'm not saying that. I mean, I know that uh, the movie has had a kind of a tough go. Yeah. I mean, because there's there's a balance. I think they said they're gonna make it PG-13, and then I I don't know. Um, PG 13 zombie movie is kind of weird in its own right, but I mean The Walking Dead is on TV and it's TV 14 and it's still pretty gruesome, so we'll see. If we need a glimmer of hope, though, it's that today, uh, right after
3: getting out of Prometheus, they announced that Damon Lindelof is the person who is rewriting that
1: script. Wow. Um, they, yeah, seven so, weeks. Wow, that's almost like a whole movie shoot.
3: Yeah, exactly. Like they are they are doing some serious stuff, and clearly that means that they have a lot of money invested in it. And think that if they do it right, they can make a lot of money back and they're willing to take this risk. Um, but obviously, they feel like story wise, that is where it's lacking. And so they're hmm. going and getting somebody who is pretty hot right now and trying to, uh,
1: you know, just inject it with a little bit more adrenaline. And, you know, because of. Have you read the book? No, I haven't. The, the book is really um, episodic. So, I mean, it's, you know, each chapter kind of deals with a different thing. Um, so I think getting someone like Damon Lindelof, who is comes from TV and understands how to write a bunch of little parts to make one overlapping story, I think might actually do it pretty well because, I mean, and he understands how you need to tie everything together with little bit parts as well. Which actually segues quite well into the fact that this week uh, Damon Lindelof signed
3: a two-year contract. Uh, I lost my my notes, so I don't remember who he signed it with, but he signed a two-year television contract uh, so he has some little idea that he is trying to get oh, back to cool. TV with. He actually has said recently in interviews that he sort of desperately misses TV, um, which is weird because I have always felt like I, as a writer, TV would be the place where I would just be in hell constantly because like the stresses of that, the the requirements of, of being on top of that show constantly just sound
1: in, absolutely insane. It is insane, but some people but, thrive on that stuff. Yeah. I mean, uh, even the South Park guys you know, they thrive when that pressures against them. Yeah. And so maybe he feels that that pressure pushes him to be the best he can be.
3: Plus that medium offers a lot of freedom as far as how long of a story you can tell, and what kind of story you can tell. Uh, And obviously he has made studios quite a bit of money. So they are going to probably give him you know, a King's deal. wasn't ABC. Uh, Yeah, I would be too. I just don't remember. Um, but that makes me really excited. Yeah, you know, as much as I want to see him scripting future Star Trek movies and you know <clears throat> Prometheus two uh, movies, uh, I I, I want to see what he does on TV because it's great. Mm-hmm. He can do both. Oh yeah, he can. He <laughs> can. That's just a lot of work, and I don't want I don't want Prometheus two to suffer because of it. Um, we also had a lot of news that I bizarrely just missed throughout the week. I don't know what was going on. But uh, DC has made a lot of announcements, or there are a lot of rumors going around DC as far as what they're trying to do. And honestly, it sounds creepily familiar, because basically they are talking about making a lot of
1: movies so that they can build up to a Justice League movie, which, hmm. what... But, like, yeah, but the problem is is that ship has sailed. Yeah. And it, if they can't make the movies, even if you think you know, The Incredible Hulk is the weakest of the Marvel movies, or Iron Man 2, or whatever... They're still better than any d c movies excluding the Batman movies, yeah because and I'm just talking about the Nolan Batman because besides Nolan, he's the only one who's i think really grasped the characters yeah um in a a cool way, and they're just going about it the wrong way because they saw how much money I mean Avengers made, and so they said, well, if we do justice league we i mean in theory, they should be able to make more because. Superman is the most recognized superhero in the world. I mean, everybody knows who the Flash is. Everybody knows who Wonder Woman is. Um, So you'd think that drive people, but what DC always fails to realize is their characters are so disconnected from everybody else that you know it's hard for people to root for them. Where even though I mean Tony Stark is you know a billionaire and he can build his Iron Man, uh, he becomes a hero. Whereas you know oh Superman, he's stronger than anybody else. He can fly and he has no weakness. Yeah. People don't connect with that. Um people connect with Bruce Wayne even though he's a billionaire. He's doing it because not because he was granted great power, it's because he he wants to make the world a better place. And that's why I think Batman succeeds where the rest of them don't. Well, and in the article on Slashfilm where they talk about this whole idea, uh they point out that the
3: key to why Avengers works is that Avengers was a good movie. Yeah. And like if we look at Green Lantern, and Green, the writer for Green Lantern is the person they're talking about having write Wonder Woman, Green Lantern was not was not a was not a great movie. It no. just wasn't like that movie fails in a lot of aspects. I think um, a Batman movie would not be Christopher Nolan's Batman, almost guaranteed. They might try, they might try to bring somebody in and, and pretend like it's rooted in that universe, but the. The atmosphere in a Batman movie would not work. No, and even um, I
1: think uh, Christian Bale said he would not do a Batman movie if Christopher Nolan didn't do it. Right, and Christopher so,
3: Nolan is not doing a Justice League movie. No, he was guaranteed. I mean, we we have yet to see Zack Snyder's Man of Steel, but I I really doubt that that movie is going to be so amazing that it would that it would be the Iron Man of the series. It cool. you know. <laughs> Because that's what they need. They need a they need a movie to come out that is Iron Man.
1: Yeah, they can take a secondary character and make him be uh, the flagship character for it. Yeah. I mean, they need to take someone like the Flash, or I, I like. I think the that's Flash the is a cool character. I really do. But I, I just think um, my problem always with DC is they don't make their characters relatable. And, and there's know.
3: there's something still very and Aquaman's on the team. There's something still very corny about most of their characters, even the Flash. Agreed. Like he runs very fast, but he is never Iron Man. Iron Man is just a badass character. Um you could do Green
2: Arrow. Iron Man wasn't a badass character until that movie came out. Well,
3: I kind of disagree. I think Robert
2: Downey Jr. made that. Like oh, I don't mean, yeah. know a lot of people yes. who are really into Iron Man comics. Well, well, but if you read I, Iron yeah, Man in the comics,
3: he was a lot like that character. Like he, yes, he 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 is portrayed well by RDJ, but I I would disagree. I think that the the fact that he is an alcoholic, the all of the background that that Iron Man has does make him an interesting character, more interesting than
2: well, he's interesting. I just I mean he's he didn't have the mass appeal. Yeah, I mean he did
3: not No, you're right, you're right he doesn't he, have the mass appeal. No. I think he's
1: on his sixth volume, so it means you know these his books been canceled a lot. Yeah, but yeah, no, he uh, yeah, I agree. You know, it's hard. And again, a two, I mean, but with DC, I mean, which character do you latch onto? They have so many different worlds. They have so many different interpretations of the character. Well, up until in their canon, like the
2: 90s, Superman was loved by many yeah it's just the the change in the culture is you know made Gre- that uh like the, he's kind of like the captain america um so if they make make superman like a cynical character in our time i think he might be more relatable he's, Gre- he's too like
1: yeah i mean you yeah, can, no you, I agree.
2: Positive and
1: yeah you can make him relatable but, but i mean even captain america he's i mean i said it earlier and i mean i watched the avengers again this week but he says a line where he, if anybody else said it and it wasn't delivered so well and it wasn't Steve Rogers, where he said, uh, uh, "Black Widow says, you know, those guys are practically gods," and you know Captain America says, "There's only one god, ma'am," and I don't think he wears those clothes, yeah. you know. And if anybody else says it, you're just like, dude, that's so stupid. But yeah. for some reason, you believe Steve Rogers, and you just don't. I just don't. I just don't, I don't buy Superman. I never have. Though I, he
3: does have, you know, Steve. Steve has some cynical moments. I mean, yeah, you know, it's the Steve is a a deeper character than I think Clark Kent has ever really been. Um, and every time that they try, uh, every time that they try to change that character and make him into something that people relate to, they start getting at the core of who spider Superman is and changing him in ways that like the fans aren't going to necessarily like. And I think that honestly they need to ignore what the fans like and mm-hmm. make Clark Kent into a more interesting multifaceted character. Um, as far as DC having an Iron Man Green Lantern was it. Green Lantern was their chance. Um, oh, okay. That character is a B list character who can be really cool. There's some there's some awesome ideas behind that. And if you made Hal Jordan a really interesting character, that movie could have been the flagship. But they made a crummy movie with too much CG and the wrong actors in it, um, and not much heart at all. And that's where they they messed up. I think it would be cool to see a Zatanna movie. I think that if they picked a character like that and really used that as their flagship, maybe that would work. Um, I don't think Wonder Woman is it, but uh, that's probably what they'll do next. They'll probably try to make Wonder Woman into their new Iron Man. And
2: And they can't do Hawkman because he's too much like Thor. Yeah. And Aquaman, I mean.
1: Yeah. (laughs) I mean, he can't even come out of the water. Aquaman is just a silly character. That's one of my favorite jokes on Family Guy ever is when (laughs) the chick is being (laughs) like... Beat up on a sh- the shore, and Aquaman's you know yelling at from the ocean. Yeah, yeah, come over here, and I'll uh, I'll I'll teach you a lesson. <laughs> I don't know.
2: I actually think they shouldn't worry about Batman. Like maybe they should save Batman coming onto the Justice League for like a, you know if the first Justice League does does well. So just focus on incorporating all those super natural characters yeah. and make a cool movie, and don't yeah. go and don't like don't parody don't be marvel do your own thing yeah and stand out and just go like either go straight for the justice league movie and introduce all those characters well two as a group or do something else i don't know
1: in a, a way though you know batman was uh, the dark knight and batman begins is the worst thing that happened to dc because also on slash film they had an article with mark miller who's the writer of kick-ass and he's a marvel writer and he said that he read the script for the new justice league movie and it's dark and mature one i don't know where he I don't know where he got the script already but <laughs> yeah. I mean the thing that works with Avengers too is I mean they didn't make it dark. No, yeah. or mature. They they took each character for what they were and they made it fun.
3: Yeah, I I have absolutely no faith in that project oh. at all. Um so and honestly, it, does, it it does not excite me as a movie person. Much less as a comic person, mm-hmm. at the idea of them making that movie the way that Avengers did. Like when they started building that up, I was like, "This is the coolest thing ever." If DC actually
1: tries to do this, it will. It, I almost I mean,
3: guarantee that it will be a failure. And the crazy thing a failure about failure, the Avengers, way the Green Lantern was, is,
1: is you remember how it started? Just a throwaway scene at the end of the first Iron Man. Yeah,
3: they made a good movie, and then just left a few seeds in there, and I was like, "If yeah, this works, this works." You know? Just a
1: throwaway scene. Yeah, and I, I remember reading an article. Um, where they said Sam Jackson didn't even know that he, his likeness was based, the ultimate version of Nick Fury was based on him. So when they asked him to do the movie, he said, "Yeah, sure, whatever." I didn't know that. They showed him pictures. He's like, "Wow, it's me!" And so they just do this little throwaway scene at the end.
3: And even that is actually unfair because Marvel had been selling their properties for many years and making very you know middling to successful movies even some unsuccessful movies so that they could save up to make their own studio to do that in the first place well yeah you know yeah. like we forget that they they did all of the, you know all the blade movies and all of that stuff Blade Daredevil, Where, Hulk how many how many Ghost DC Rider, other, other than, <laughs> yeah exactly how many DC characters out there are there that they've made movies out of Maybe they're, maybe they're all slipping my mind. Maybe they're all out there. No, but other than
1: other than Batman and Superman. Watchmen. What have we seen? Yeah. But that also was not successful. No, yeah, no. I'm just saying that, I mean, you have Batman, Superman, the Watchmen are the only movies that have come out in the last, oh, Green Lantern, yeah. you know, 10 years.
3: Right. Well, but yeah, I'm sort of counting Green Lantern as a JLA character that they would be trying to mm-hmm. do this with. But yeah, I I just don't ever see this happening. And I don't think I want to. Yeah, we'll see.
1: What else you got for us, James? <laughs>
3: uh, you guys like scream, right? I do. They're making a TV show. Me on MTV. Not watching it. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, what? Uh, I don't know what the point of that would be. I mean, I mean, they're
1: just. I mean, can you really scare people on TV? Well, you're. Tar- well, yeah, Walking Dead, I think. But I mean, you you're targeting though um, teenagers. Yeah. You know, that when Scream came along, I don't think people remember that it wasn't that cool to be, you know, that meta. Yeah. But it kind of started that trend in horror movies where they're very aware of what's going on. And then I actually thought Scream 4 was really good. But to make it a TV show where it's going to be watered down and it's going to be on MTV, so it's going to be full of, you know, teen angst and stupid and stuff. And,
2: like, what do they have, what haven't What have they said in four movies that they could stretch out into 26-episode yeah. seasons?
1: Yeah. Yeah, that doesn't make sense to me too because episodes. I mean, even the scream movies, I mean, you know, they're like an hour and 40 minutes long, but I mean, could I try to guess who the killer is for I mean, <laughs> the killing? I mean, you're going to sit there and guess who the killer is over a whole 23 episode season? Even better, is an episode ever scary if
3: you never kill anybody? Like yeah. you you might only be able to kill a couple people a season. You can't kill somebody every episode. No, because you they take away the impact. Yeah. So, yeah, exactly. So if you kill somebody every episode, then it becomes South Park. If you kill somebody every four episodes,
1: then it—I don't know. Yeah, it, it's too. Then I it, think it's too difficult. I wouldn't even attempt it. But. Yeah, twenty-four, <laughs> kill someone
2: every like four episodes. Yeah,
1: that
2: was cool, but yeah.
3: Yeah,
1: but even yeah. twenty-four, though they throw curveballs and stuff, and um, <laughs> I mean Milo is one of the ones that always shocked me in twenty-four. Um They could do something like American Horror Story. Who the fuck was a dude who got shot in the head? He was, oh, um, like a system analysis guy. And you thought Eric Balfour's character, and you thought he was really important. He just got shot in the head, and he fucking died. Oh, that was him. Milo. Was was it Milo? Yeah.
2: yeah. In season six, right when the the guys, the yeah bad guys infiltrate CTU again. uh, (laughs) Is it Milo? Yeah. Yeah, he just walks up and he's like, "Hey, stop." pushing us around. Yeah, sub so pushing around he gets
1: get shot in the head. See, that's spoilers. shocking. <laughs> yeah. Spoilers. Spoilers for 24 seasons. Dude, it's been out for like four ah, years.
3: I blacked out. I didn't hear it anyway. Um, one last piece of good news to end us on a high note uh, is that uh, James Salas, who wrote the book Drive and the sequel book Driven is saying that uh, they are right now working on getting Driven made into a movie. Um, cool. No word yet on Ryan Gosling, no word yet on uh Nicholas Winding Revan R- Nicholas Winding Revan's next movie is supposed to be a Logan's Run m- remake uh but maybe after that,
2: I don't know. Uh, There's already been a movie called Driven starring Sylvester Stallone. Oh, oh that's I right. Know. It's a well, Formula 1 racer.
1: I, it's I think it's so unforgettable that.
2: <laughs> I don't think on, they'll okay. care. How
3: many movies how many movies called Savages are there? Ugh. Just in the last 5 years, Brad?
2: 3 4 like, Yeah,
3: exactly. I think it'll be okay. Um and are any of them good? Of course, I never saw that one indie movie but
2: still I did. It was good.
3: Oh, well. All right, I'll have to check it's it sad. out. Instead of that Oliver Stone movie. Um anyway, that's our news cuz I'm I'm of course really excited about Drive. Yeah, totally. I love like, I love, yeah, me too. I love so, that movie. I think maybe they should not get Carrie Mulligan in the movie at all. Why? I Why? think that because I that first movie is so heartbreaking and wonderful as its own thing that I think if if they made a sequel it, I would just want it to be the driver in, in a different in situation.
1: Own, yeah. yeah.
3: I don't want them to mess with that first movie.
1: Yeah, and that one he Does was a real sense? human being. <laughs> Remember his things on. Now he has to become a legend. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, uh, James, it's your turn for comic book corner this week. Oh yeah. Well, I, I wanted to pick one. Um,
3: I want to talk about what, what what is basically my white horse, or my not my white horse, my white, horse. My white whale.
1: Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. So it's gonna ride in. You're gonna ride off in the sunset. No, no,
3: no, no, no. The thing that I will be looking for next week at Denver Comic-Con so desperately uh which is I Kill Giants number 1 uh I Kill Giants is a a mini series but it's 7 issues long written by Joe Kelly. They wrote it after his father died. Yeah, Joe Kelly is just amazing. He was uh he was in the Brain Trust on Spider-Man for a few great years there.
0: Uh, yeah, uh, at least I think it was that uh, Yeah, if
1: you read my um uh one I just happened to post of my favorite Spider-Man stories, he wrote the one worth the Rhino um he wrote all the episodes, uh, all this issues with the Rhino, and in issue 625, a new Rhino challenges the old Rhino to um, yeah. a fight to the death. And the new Rhino or the old Rhino is married, and he gave up his life of crime. He spent time in prison. And he says, "No, I'm married." And um, so the old Rhino, the new Rhino, kills his wife, and then he puts on this suit again. And he's going to go kill the new Rhino. And there's such a great scene where Spider-Man's trying to hold him. He's shooting him with web. He's trying to hold him. He's like, "Don't do it! Don't do it!" And the Rhino just kills them obliterates them and uh it's really good it's it's so beautiful and it's so well written but anyways uh i kill giants anyway
3: i kill giants uh is about this little girl who um she she's something of an outcast and very much the it's clear when you read the book that joe kelly was a geek like at least like me who in in high school and younger than that was playing D and D and hanging out with those kinds of people and all of that um And so she's very much an outsider, uh, but there's some weird stuff going on. She's very imaginative, and the way that it's drawn, there are these other little characters that show up, and and basically she believes that there are giants in the world and that she has the power through this hammer that she keeps in her little backpack to fight giants. Um, And you're not always sure what stuff is real and what stuff isn't, um, but at its core, and I I don't want to spoil the book because... I think it's really moving when you find out what is really going on um but at at its core she is sort of trying to deal with some emotional issues um it it is really this metaphor for how we go through life and the the problems that we will run into and how this little girl is having to learn to face those problems and it's Ah, man. Yeah, it's
1: one of the first comics you ever told me to pick up. Yeah. And I picked up the trade paperback, and um, to me, I won't spoil it either, but to me, it's like it's basically a story about a little girl who's lost, Yeah. where she doesn't have friends, she doesn't have parents, she doesn't have, all she has is her imagination, and that's the only time she feels like she's found. Yeah, And it, it's a beautiful story, and uh, Joe Kelly is an amazing writer. What I will say is that I was sitting uh, in
3: our like student union at CSU downstairs in this room where there were all these couches and stuff and people sitting around as I was finishing the last pages. And it took everything I had to not just weep sitting in the middle of this crowd. Like I cried a little, but I would, I was not weeping like I should have been. Uh, it is, it is so beautiful. It really Um, is. You you just got to check it out. The art is really cool. Um, it's, it's got sort of this Japanese
1: animation kind of a style to it. Um, it's really man. And you can pick up the trade paperback at Coins Cards and Comics. It's only 14.99 normally, so you can get it for like 11 bucks cuz you get it 12, 20% yeah. off, yeah.
3: And I think there's a there's a hardback
1: cover of it as well There now. is. A, that one's really nice. Yeah. I saw yeah. that at uh Time Warp, which is a comic store around here too. Yeah. That I always thought about getting because one of it's these so days nice. I'm going to have to pick
3: that up. But only after I find the only issue I'm missing right now, which is issue number 1.
1: And hopefully you can find it at Comic-Con. There's yeah, so I'm many open. um really vendors open. there.
3: Yep. Because you can't find it at Mile High, even if you nope. cheat and go online. No, nope, you can't yeah. find it at Coins Cards. You can't find it at Time Warp. Nope. It's, re- it's really hard I to get a hold of. Even though when I bought, when I finally find it, it will cost me like $5. Yeah, it's like it is, not, it is not an expensive comic, uh, or at least I don't expect it should be.
1: But um, It's one of those things that just slipped through the cracks, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, 'cause I got I think I got issue two issue two at Time Warp. Yeah, I stole their last number two. Yeah. And I asked him and the guy who runs Time Warp says he'sn't he hes, he's has not seen it since it's been released. Yeah. And usually you expect a comic like that, especially since it's image to be, you know, hundred and fifty bucks, like the Walking Dead number one, but Yeah. But it's a small run, it wasn't it wasn't wildly popular. It's one that most people haven't read. Uh but you should definitely check it out. It's so good. Hell yeah. Cool. So pick that up. Yeah. Ryan, what have you been watching? Uh, this week, I didn't watch very much. I've been really busy, unfortunately. But I, I did see... Uh, I watched two documentaries. Uh, one ties into it. I watched Comic Book Confidential, which is not that good. I don't know what that is. It's It was on uh, Amazon um, Instant Video, and it's, it's basically a story about the comic books through the years, but it's not told in a very um, exciting way the The coolest part about it is they have interviews with William Gaines, Stanley, Jack Kirby, Will Eisner wow. in it. Wow! So I watched it for that, and um, I'll watch it just for interviews with William Gaines. Oh yeah, that dude's off his rocker. But he had a great story, um, how when after his Senate hearing, and uh, I mean, I guess the most interesting part about it was the very early. Parts of it where they're talking about the f- uh, formation of comic books and where they came from, and I didn't know William Gaines' father was one who collected comic strips from Sunday papers and yeah. put them in a book form and sold them for ten cents, put little stickers for ten cents, and they became insanely popular. Um, and he was telling that story, and then he obviously went into um, you know the vault of horror, tales from the crypt, super suspense stories, and him and his uh, the writer on them, they base him and William Gaines and. Ron Feldstein, I think was his name. They wrote and plotted every one of the stories in those books. And uh, what they would do is they would just um, sit down and they'd say, oh, you know, we should have a wife. And she chops off her husband's head, which is the one that got him in a lot of trouble. Is There's a issue where there's an axe and a dude's severed head on the cover, which is a really, it's actually a woman's ever oh, it Yeah, It's a, it's a woman husband who killed. Yeah. Uh, it's a, yeah, it's a really iconic cover. It's messed cover. up, dude. A, yeah. I, you <laughs> it is messed up. I, I don't <laughs> think, but it, the interesting part is they had this, they intercutted, uh, this, it wasn't, that was what's the name of the book that came out? It's, uh, 10 cent plague by David Hajdu. No, Is that the one you're talking about? No, it's like uh, the Something of the Innocent. Uh, oh, um, The Seduction of the Innocent. The seduction of the Innocent. Um, yeah. And they but, had um, this guy talk about how bad comic books are. And they had this, uh, it was obviously shot in the 50s, and they had these kids sitting around passing out comic books. And then this one kid saw that this guy stabbed somebody in the comic book. And so... In this little reenactment in the 50s, this kid stabbed his friend and stole his comic book because yeah. comic books are morally corrupt. Oh, man. But he told an interesting story about... He, his favorite story he ever wrote was the sci-fi story where this guy was on the moon or... The black dude. The astronaut. Black dude. Yeah. yeah. And, he, and it revealed that he was a black guy, and that was really controversial. And the comic's code sent back that he had to take his perspiration off his forehead. And William Gaines said, no, I'm not doing that. And he sent it out anyways. And he didn't pay the last, uh, like, I don't know if you call it a royalty check or whatever to the Comics Code Authority because they're supposed to pay for it. And yeah. He just told it basically to stick it up their asses. Yeah. And then he went on to make Mad and made actually more money with Mad magazine. Um, but it was interesting. I mean, it's cool seeing Jack Kirby give an interview because I think he's been dead since 92. Um, and Stan Lee was in it. Uh, I, I just didn't, it, it was told really boringly. Yeah. And um they spent a lot of time on the underground comics like by Robert Crumb and stuff, and I just don't get into those ones. Yeah. They're just too goofy. You should you
3: should read David Hajdu's book, The Tencent Plague. Because it it goes through all of that stuff and is just tells it in such a fascinating way. He goes and talks to people who were artists at the at the you know, conception of mm-hmm. the the comics code and the way that it affected them and things like that and and tells the whole story of William Gaines and all of that, and and also does a whole lot of history as far as what happened after Frederick Wortham p- published that book, uh, and the kind of just disinformation and garbage that he was putting out mm-hmm. there. Um, very very similar to that guy who's always attacking video games. Uh, it's so bizarre, isn't it? Like when you it's watch, it's insane. When it, you watch those guys talk, you just don't get it. When and what's fascinating about it is, even if you don't like comics, this is, and I this is my opinion, but I I think I could back it up pretty easily. This is. The most heinous bit of government-run censorship ever in the history of America. Oh yeah, I mean it's, easily, it's like and pissing
1: it's, all over freedom of speech.
3: Oh yeah, no, it's it's terribly offensive if you actually go back and look at what they were doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and what's interesting about that that issue of the black astronaut mm-hmm. um, is that they had published that issue before the code was put into place, mm-hmm. and then they were just reprinting it because they they knew they were going out of business; they weren't going to stay in business with the code in place, um and so they just they were just republishing it. That's all. But basically, because the the people who ran the code hated William Gaines and EC Comics, mm. they were just like griefing them at some point. Yeah,
1: that my favorite story out of the whole Comic Code Authority is um, Morbius, who is a vampire in Spider Man. Yeah, had to be called Morbius the Living Vampire because you couldn't have dead things. In the, on the Comic Code Authority. Yeah. So it's so stupid.
3: Well, plus you got to read it just because when they start talking about Stanley and Stanley's point of view on it, when he starts talking about like how he never had to run in with it, like he never felt like he was, you know, being told that he couldn't do what he wanted to do. But at the same time, he is also the person who tore it down.
1: Oh, yeah. His like Green he... Goblin story, um, where you wouldn't even think is that big a deal. The, the, he was actually, the government went to him and said, "Hey, yeah. Spider-Man is the most popular comic book that you have. Can you write a story about telling children the dangers of drugs?" And Stanley says, "Well, I don't know anything about drugs, so he just made a story about um, this kid who trips on LSD and he falls off a building. Spider-Man saves him. And uh, isn't that, it like over three issues? It is like three by issues. the third issue, doesn't he? Yeah, it's it's great. Sort because, of turn turn around. Um, Harry Osborn actually um, starts taking LSD, and that's what." Snaps Norman Osborn into becoming the Green Goblin again. Um, and that's why Spider-Man fights the Green Goblin in it. Right. And I mean, and Stan, you know, said he sent it. And he's just like, oh, it's just a goofy little story. I mean, nothing. I know nothing about drugs. I just know you trip and, you know, you act all goofy. And Spider-Man saved this kid. And he said and it came back and the, they wouldn't let him publish it. Right. After they told him to write the story. So he went to his publisher and he said, hey, we should run this anyways. And the publisher said, yeah, we should. Yeah. And because all of the all of the comics code authority came from the fact that if that stamp
3: wasn't on a comic, re- retailers wouldn't buy them, mm-hmm. and so once it was like, well. Spider Man can do it without. Like people were gonna buy Spider Man, so retailers still bought it even though it didn't have the code on it, mm-hmm. and it had been so long that people didn't care as much anymore. Yeah. Um, and I think uh, it didn't really go away till the nineties. No, 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 no. In fact, in fact, DC will still publish comics with that really? with that sticker on it. Uh, actually, I think this last year they they officially stopped. Wow. But until as of two years ago, when I wrote a research paper on it, DC still would submit things to it. But if they got turned down,
1: they would publish it anyway. But um, but what was crazy is they did uh, that, and then a couple years later, maybe it was a year later, um, was it Green Arrow's girlfriend died from a drug overdose? Or someone, and mm-hmm. it was approved by the Comic Code Authority because... Well, they knew. Yeah, it's stupid. Once we don't have that authority anymore, what are you going to do? And then I watched uh, another one called Chasing Ghosts, which is about arcades and how they went away oh man i thought it was gonna be like ghost hunters no i wouldn't watch a show like that but it, it was interesting because it had all the people that were in the king of kong and it was trying to tell their story that they aren't these bad guys or just these guys who are really good at video games and yeah i mean and the whole story is about uh because remember in king kong where they took that there's that time picture where it's um billy mitchell and all the other guys on there and yeah uh so it's just basically them getting back together and doing that picture again with them being older. Hmm. And uh, t- to me, even when they try to make Billy Mitchell not a douchebag, he's a total douchebag. Yeah, just so something about his yeah. aura. Yeah, it, I mean, I mean, he does. He has a perfect score in Pac Man. I mean, that's pretty impressive. Sure, um, but yeah, he's just a butthead. And the it was all right. It wasn't as good as King of Kong because King of Kong you actually are rooting for somebody. Yeah, and in this you're just watching these this arrogant guy. I don't even know. It was yeah, an all right. It cool. it, it, it's because King Kong was, the King of Kong was so good that this one was kind of just whatever. Reactionary.
3: Yeah.
1: Yeah. And it had all the same guys and kind of had the same beats to it but not told in an entertaining way because you didn't have Steve Wiebe and you were rooting for him.
3: You know, neither of those guys have that award right now? That, that's yeah, idol? it's some doctor. Yeah, some
1: other dude's doing it now. Yeah, I remember it's a doc like a doctor from Japan or something. Yep. I, I was reading the um, records for it. It's pretty interesting. Yeah. But the movie—if the, you see a video game documentary, you should see King of Kong yeah. because it's really good. Yeah, that's really all I watch. Watch some more Buffy. You also watch the Avengers again. I did see the Avengers again. Finally. Um, yeah, I know. I I finally got around to seeing the Avengers again, and um, in two D it's even better. Uh, just because when we saw the, it, it was so dark the screen, but when it was, you know, bright and you could see it. Oh man, and I, I forgot some of the moments. Um, there's the great one of my favorite moments is and I totally missed it the first time well, I don't think I missed Spoiler it for I, Avengers but I think uh, I just glazed over it was when Loki and Thor are fighting on top of Stark Tower and Thor makes like one last plea with Loki he says end this war and I forget I don't remember exactly what Loki says but then there's a shot that just stays on Thor where he's his look is like I've lost my brother I cannot stop him from doing what he's about to do and it's amazing yeah and uh yeah i love that and um that movie's really good i love robert downey jr in it he's just so funny and he i mean he understands well, that character well i think it's a sixth movie doing it or fifth or sixth movie no that's his fifth and then iron man three will be a sixth one yeah uh because yeah he was in iron man one iron man two incredible hulk avengers well, i guess iron man three is his fifth one so i'm really excited yeah uh, yeah, and the Iron Patriot's not in Iron Man three. Nope, uh, I just read that too. What was that about then? Ah, uh, they're just saying it's just suits or something that he has. Yeah, hmm. I guess it's just it must just be like some sort of Easter egg, winking at comic book fans, saying, probably, "Hey, yeah. Iron Patriot," because you know they probably don't even want to spoil Norman Osborn, which could be the Spider Man. I'm guessing.
3: Yeah, I don't know. We'll see. So Brad, you should what's
1: you what's see the Adventures again. It's awesome. What did you watch this week, Brad? Uh, I didn't watch much of
2: anything either, uh, but I did listen to a, I forget which podcast, oh, it was Fat Man on Batman, and, uh, Kevin Smith was talking to, um, blanking on his name right now, oh, Paul Dini? Yeah. Um, who wrote a bunch of the great Batman animated series episodes, and they were talking about this one in the later seasons after it became, like, The Adventures of Batman and Robin. Yeah. Um, about this, uh, episode where Batgirl, um falls off a building and dies and then gordon finds out that you know it was his daughter so he gets bane to track down batman and kill him and uh by the end it turns out it was just scarecrows sphere gas used on barbara gordon so she just had this like fever dream about what would happen if uh her dad ever found out she was batgirl and uh, I hadn't seen that episode, so I immediately rushed my storage unit and got out my Batman the Animated Series episodes and watched it, and it's pretty cool. And then I've started watching uh, from the first volume on, because they're not actual no, seasons. But, they're just uh, all the episodes scattered across.
1: Isn't the first one, it's interesting, because the first one tells a lot of gangsters, um, like the volume of the Batman animated series.
2: I've only watched, I've only seen two episodes so far. The first one they have on Volume 1 is um, uh, Man-Bat.
1: Yeah. I think that's the very first one they did. That's a, actually I well, think it's a on, really cool one. On episode. the Batman
2: on Batman show they said it was um what was it? The Cat in the Claw. Really? And then the next one was the Heart of Ice, which uh, is that's a, a good one Mr. too. Mr. Freeze's origin story, which actually uh, is his origin story. Like apparently in the comics he'd never been Really dealt like that. He's just a guy with a freeze gun and then I'm glad you're watching Paul again. I
1: love those cartoons. That's it's,
2: it's a really
3: that Mister Freeze episode is one of the best comic book stories, ever. You know, and I'm not that a, hit me so hard as a kid. I was like, this is the most yeah. amazing. Like he, w-
1: oh man! I thought that
2: had always been his story, but apparently that episode wow. is like Paul Dini really? giving Mister Freeze like a weighty backstory. That's
1: awesome. <gasps> yeah. You know, there's wow. uh, there's so many episodes that I love of that show. Um, I have a I have a couple favorites. Um, the one that always stuck with me was a Clayface episode because yes. it's like a two parter. And when I was a kid, it always scared me when he was in the uh, control room and he couldn't control uh, his faces. And yeah, there's just so many cool moments in that show. And I even like uh, the one they did afterwards. Um, I think uh, Mask of the Phantasm, the movie, is really great. Yep. Um, And I also love The Return of the Joker. It's Batman Beyond, but it's totally in the same vein where, you know, I don't want to spoil the movie. Have you seen it? Uh, the Return of the Joker?
3: Yes.
2: I feel like I have, but I don't remember. I know it's got a great twist
1: to it. So There's an amazing twist in that uh, movie. Yeah. I love and I was a huge so Batman Dark. Beyond fan. So, yeah. Uh, so, yeah. I, the animated series is amazing. If no one has seen them, I, I have only got the first volume on DVD. Man. And I always want to get the other ones, but I'm pretty sure they're really expensive. Or they might not be. I haven't really tried to look very hard for them, but I love them. You guys are gonna make me watch so much Batman
2: now. That sounds awesome. <laughs> yeah, I'm going through. I right? loved that I, show. I, yeah.
1: It's cool. I mean, even the episodes that were it's just gangsters, they always they always kind of have this feel to them. Where I, I, I in the Man it. Bat
2: one, it starts out like uh, Harvey Dent is even Two Face yet. Oh yeah. So like throughout the course of the show, I'm like, I don't remember how he turned into Two Face. I want to watch that again. And like Rupert Thorne's a big yeah. That, that's in what that. I mean. Like the gangster guy. Um, Summer Gleason, I forgot is like this integral, uh, like news reporter, like the April O'Neil mm-hmm. for that show. Um,
1: yeah, there's even a great, uh, little Joker one. I think it's in the first volume when, uh, his car wrecks or something and him and Batman kind of have like this powwow. I I forget exactly how it goes, but there are some goofy things though. Like there's a Christmas
2: episode of the second one on mm-hmm. that disc and, um, the Joker like puts together, like kidnaps Gordon uh, Montoya and Bullock and yeah. Batman has to like figure out where he's keeping them and the Joker's got like this elaborate thing all together but it's got like, goofy stuff like he, the Joker escapes from Arkham by riding a Christmas tree rocket <laughs> out of there and then when they're dangling over the acid pit or whatever Batman is able to like grab Bullock, Montoya and Gordon all in one grab. Wow. Like That's like 500 pounds. <laughs> <laughs> he's a stud. And you know, like carry them away from the
1: vat of acid i always thought it was creepy too when and hold the Joker uh, with one hand by the joker gas hit people and they always had that huge smile on their face and like the fish had the smile on their face Mm. Uh, yeah uh mark hamill's joker is amazing oh yeah he's great in batman arkham asylum and arkham city oh you wouldn't know though those uh (laughs) those 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 seasons
3: are like 30 dollars for those volumes so it is really expensive He's coming back, though. Uh, Mark, Ham- you know, Mark Hamill said he wasn't going to ju- do Joker again. and They just announced that he was going to do it again, but I can't remember what for. Um, it won't be for Arkham City 3. No, it's not. It's something else. Anyway.
1: Um, oh. But, yeah, it's really cool. It, yeah, that show's great. Yeah, I love it. I can't I'm not a huge Batman fan, but that show makes you a Batman fan. I mean, I love Batman, but you know what I mean. Yeah
2: very smart for a kids show. Oh yeah, extremely and dark. Well written and yeah, and I never really noticed, but uh, the opening credits never have like text or anything. It's just no, and the
1: music's so awesome. Oh yeah, that dun, 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 dun. Okay. makes me so yeah. excited when he's fighting the Man. gangsters on the roof and lightning strikes.
2: Yeah. <sighs> and I think they said in the podcast like it, it, it never really connected either, but it kind of harkens back to the, um, is it Max Fleischer Superman cartoons?
1: Yeah. Max oh. Fleischer. I wanna yes. say
2: uh Charles Fleischer Reuben Ruben Fleischer, but That's Max, I'm pretty sure. Those are a director and um the voice of Roger Rabbit.
1: So <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> Um Anyway, yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So
1: check that one out. Get get you geared James. up for The Dark Knight Rises.
2: Yeah. What have you been watching? Well, for my
3: David Mamet movie this week, I watched Heist. Have you guys ever seen Heist? Is that the Gene the, Hackman thing? Yes, Gene
2: Hackman. And Danny DeVito. Hackman!
3: Yes, Gene Hackman, Danny DeVito, uh, Delroy Lindo, Sam Rockwell. Hello! Um, and it's really good, man. It's also directed by Mamet, which, honestly, I, I understand why he pretty much directs all of his movies now, because he is better at directing his movies than anyone else is. Like When I watch the movies that are directed by somebody else, they're they're a little bit lackluster, hmm. um, but his are really good. I mean, they're not perfect, but they're really, really good. This um, is a movie about. Well, I mean, obviously, it's a heist movie. They're these jewel thieves, uh, or just thieves in general. And basically, Gene Hackman, he's getting older. Uh, he wants to just take the stuff, the money he's earned, and get on his boat and sail off with his wife and have a happy life somewhere, you know, out there, not stealing stuff anymore. Um, but I guess because he had already. He, he owes Danny DeVito some money, and so he agrees to do this one last job. Of course. Uh, of course. Uh, stealing some money from the Swedes. Um, and it's just, like, the, the heists are really cool and well thought out. Um, of course, like, I'm going to tell you some of these things, and they're going to sound a little hackneyed, like that Gene Hackman is the thief, but he's unwilling to kill people. Um, and so that kind of keeps getting him into trouble. Um, and... There is this weird interplay where you're not quite sure. Well, I shouldn't say that, but, but when Sam Rockwell basically gets put on their team by Danny DeVito because he wants one of his guys on the squad so he can keep an eye on it, and of course they are they're trying to work around him and avoid Sam Rockwell, and it's just it's really cool. Uh, if you want a good heist movie, you should definitely check it out. It's on Amazon, um, on Amazon Instant Video, I should say uh, which is how I watched it. Um, it was really cool. Something that wasn't really cool though. <laughs> <was> <laughs> I saw what you clicked on next. I started laughing. <laughs> <laughs> Something that wasn't really cool though was, uh, I finally saw Buffy the Vampire Slayer, the 1992 movie, Ooh. um, which means that I have now seen with the exception of a few episodes of parenthood, everything that Josh Reeden has done. Um, and also that doll play show that never got picked up. Um, uh, and it's it's bad. Uh, I can see the gems yeah. of what was going to be really cool about it, but I feel like all of the jokes he edits the movie so poorly. I should not Joss Whedon, uh, Fran Rubel Kuzai, or whoever. What I that's I don't know how to pronounce his name. He never really did anything after this, um, but he, he edits the the scenes so poorly that all of the all of the jokes are offbeat. So nothing ever actually hits yep. properly. Uh and it's it's almost frustrating because you hear a line and of course it's it's delivered very poorly cuz most of the actors are bad except um, for Donald Sutherland. <laughs> dude, I hated Donald Sutherland. <laughs> Just
1: kidding. The whole movie oh, okay. terrible. Okay.
3: Okay. I thought you were I thought you were serious. I was like Donald Sutherland has never turned in this piss poor of a performance. It's like he doesn't want to be there. Oh, it is. It is so awful. I I can't even believe it. Well, you want
1: to know where that Fran Rubel guy came from i to tell come you from? the story I want to hear the uh, story you read the comic book the origin right I did, that, did that, you that's enjoy where it? I was
3: going yes it's fantastic you can see exactly what it was supposed to be and it was supposed to be something really cool without Paul
1: Rubens in it yeah um, well, well that's what s- Joss Whedon, Whedon worst, wanted to shoot some
3: of the worst shooting or casting I, uh, it's just awful that's Ugh. what Joss
1: Whedon was going to shoot because he's going to direct it yeah but they told him it's too dark and you need to lighten it up and he said no and that Fran Rubel guy rewrote the script and made it the way he wanted to make it, and that's why if you ask Joss Whedon say, "Hey, didn't you write the movie?" He'll say, "Fuck no, I didn't write that movie." <laughs> um, I'm not sure he'll say that, but um, yeah. he does not. Um, he doesn't. He's not proud of it. Um, R- Howard, uh, Rucker Howard, Rucker Howard is another one where he shows
3: up, and you think like, "Dude, yeah,
1: it's Rucker Howard.
3: He's going to be great." He's awful. He's Dude, absolutely awful. You said
1: Paul Rubens, but it's so awesome that after, or maybe it's just after before the credits start where he gets staked and yes. he's like Ooh, it ah, is really good uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's what he's doing because the stake didn't go all the way through him yeah um,
3: yeah it, it is a little funny but it's the one moment that you're like okay everything else just plays so wrong and Luke and Perry's and in it <laughs> yes and, and he messes up like okay you want to make it lighter fine but if I am to believe the comic origin, the, the the origin comic that I read, um, he went through and changed scenes so that Buffy doesn't show up to help people. Yeah. So that she is not the hero anymore. Yeah. Then what is the friggin' point? Like yeah. the whole idea here is, hey, we're gonna have a badass
1: chick in this movie. Like, that's part of what's so cool about it. And What's hard, too, he is he messed that up. You did it like me, where you watched the TV show and then went back and watched the, the right. movie. So I know how good it can be. You're like, this is the worst thing I have ever seen in my life. Oh, and if man. I see on another one of your uh, pins you keep on laying around, Laura, I'm going <laughs> to stab you with it. <laughs> uh, I love my wife. I um pins everywhere. Um, shoot, I,
3: I, I can't even think of, yeah, no, he just, he dumbs it down so bad. Did and you see a, and seemingly, ben Affleck?
1: No, I didn't see Ben Affleck. He's playing... He's a basketball Mm -hmm. player, like, very briefly. Oh, yeah. It's his first credited role ever. Oh, and it starts so dumb. It starts with that,
3: like, them dancing and playing basketball instead of, like, the the flashback to the the castle and the vampires and all that, which would have been a cooler beginning. And he introduces this whole thing of, like, Lothos being a part... Like, Buffy and Lothos being a part of some cycle, and, like, she is, like, seduced by him and wants to come in and, you know, be... You know, like like she she wants to give herself to him. It's which basically is just, taking
1: what makes Buffy great, which is women empowerment, and making her not empowered uh, at all.
3: It's awful. It's absolutely they awful. They do have that
1: montage where she's training. I haven't seen the movie in a couple of years. I own it, but and, I don't really watch it. And he turns
3: Merrick, who is supposed to be a watcher, who then kills himself to save Buffy. Because he knows that Buffy hasn't been trained enough. Spoilers for the comic, really. Uh, he knows that Buffy hasn't been trained enough, and he doesn't want the the bad guy vampire to turning him into a vampire so that he can find out who Buffy is who or who the Slayer is and where he how he can kill her um, so he he shoots himself in the comic mm-hmm. well instead in the movie it's like this weird convoluted oh he was betraying him her because he actually Merrick actually works for Lothos but yeah. then Lothos kills him I I don't know what the heck is going on anymore um, and it's uh, you could have yep. made that movie and still made it fun. I don't know what they were thinking that, oh, it's too dark. Yeah. Well, it didn't have to be. No. The, it's it's really frustrating. It is. That movie is just garbage. Um, and the truth is, what came out of it was way better than any sequels to that movie ever would have been. So I guess it's okay. Agreed. But uh, it was it was so weird to watch. Uh, and then the last thing I watched was Alien. Because I needed to watch it again before the new one comes out, and I purchased the Blu-ray. You guys need to own this Blu-ray. I know I meant to. It has to when never it was looked bucks. this pretty. It is so good. Um, I just bought the Blu-ray, the first one, because I don't really care about Blu-rays or the sequels. Mm-hmm. Um, I might want a Blu-ray of three, but the other two I don't care about. Um, but man, yeah, the first one looks so good. The the, the the colors all feel like they've been corrected. Like the blacks on my, on my DVD, the blacks were not that good. And so it, it kind of looks a little, you know, flaky at times. Uh, but that is all gone. Uh, it's amazing how well that movie stands up. Just especially the effects with, with a few exceptions, mother being the biggest one that every time you see like them using computers, you're like, Oh, this is a movie from the seventies. Um, but
2: all the rest of the effects look so good. Uh, I'm waiting for a better box for it to come out. I don't like the box art for the single disc. And <laughs> the one I got isn't bad. You know, it's the normal one. The way they just do a, a profile of the. Well, you if you get the DVD uh, version of the collector's edition one that Fox used to do, where it folded out, like yeah, even that's better than. Yeah. Again, like I said, I didn't. I didn't care about having the whole anthology. And I, I know you don't.
3: But yeah. I really. I don't need to ever watch Resurrection again because it'll be just as frustrating as watching Buffy the Vampire <laughs> Slayer in 1992. <laughs> Man, why do people have to mess up his movies? It's I don't pr- know. It's
2: a pretty movie, Resurrection.
3: It is. It is. But, but again, if you look up what the script was, man, Joss Whedon should have <laughs> made that movie. Uh, anyway, that's all I saw. It hey, was really
1: good. Hey, guess what, guys? What? We saw Prometheus this week. We did. Brad, should people go see Prometheus?
2: Uh, I thought it was a good movie. It's a very beautiful, pretty movie, but I didn't love it.
1: James, should people go see Prometheus? If you like real sci-fi, if you like the
3: alien movies, yes, you should. And in fact, I will go beyond that. You friggin' need to see this movie because it's amazing.
1: Um, and to me, it's competing with Dark Shadows for the worst movie of the year. Really, I'm just what? kidding. It's freaking awesome. Oh uh, my here's god. the trailer. Oh my god, my heart just dropped out of my chest. Oh. I was saving that one up. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Ancient civilizations that were separated by centuries, and yet this same pictogram was discovered in every one of them. You're smiling. I think they want us to come and find them. We're all here because
3: of a map you two kids found in a cave.
1: Not a map, an invitation.
3: From whom? Please tell me you can read that.
1: Prometheus, are you seeing this?
4: Whatever that probe is picking up, it's reading life form. What do you mean a life
1: form? Oh, the head. they changing.
0: Changing into what? It's
2: moving. Anything's moving? What is that? There's a ship. They are leaving. To go where? Earth.
0: It was so wrong. Take us home. If you don't stop it, they won't give you home to go back to. Where is that door?
1: So, James, you're yeah. the big, I always say so right after the trailer. I don't know why I do that. Uh, anyways. It's called it's a call transition. Yeah. yeah. It is. It's a transitional word. James, you really like Ridley this Scott. Was, this was my most this anticipated, is your most anticipated movie, movie of the year.
3: And, yes, I am a huge fan of Ridley Scott. Did, uh, did it live
1: up to your hype? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I don't think that this movie was ever quite as, uh, by the way, uh, before we start, really, if you want to see this movie, don't listen to this part of our podcast yeah, yeah. because we are, it's hard we are to talk about this the movie without. this. Um, it. anyways go ahead to yeah,
3: yeah absolutely it's good to throw that warning in there every now and then, especially if people haven't listened before and they don't realize that we throw the trailer in as a as a warning um uh I don't think this movie is ever quite as scary as alien is the first time you see it um maybe that's just because it's c g monsters maybe that's just because I am grown up now and I've seen enough stuff that that stuff doesn't scare me that much anymore like if e t had been in this movie. Dude, I would have peed myself. <laughs> but, but everything else in this movie never quite you know, it never it never horrifies me the way that like the thing does. If I watch the thing now, oh man, that that will mess yeah, me see, up. I don't think it's um terrifying, but, but I think it there's builds great tension. tension. It in builds the movie. tension better than I've seen in a long time. It I mean that whole first hour, nothing happens. No. Like nothing that you a lot not, of like alien. Yeah, exactly. Like you're just You're just waiting, and you kind of know something's going to happen. And he actually, he even cuts away. When you know that, like, okay, something horrible might be about to happen, like something might be about to jump, he'll cut away. Mm -hmm. And that just, that leaves you in that tense place, and he just keeps amping it up. It's amazing.
1: Yeah, there is parts of this movie that are so beautiful. Um, the opening shots dude like I thought I I, I was
3: moved by the opening shots of this movie Uh, because they're just they're just these wide shots of beautiful like IMAX shots I want to see this in IMAX now Uh, of basically a desolate uh, lifeless world you know like the earth as it might have been millions of years ago is is basically what he's trying to show us. And it's just, it's gorgeous. Yeah, it's well, I love too gorgeous. about
1: the opening shots um, is when you get to that waterfall and that alien yeah. shows up and you kind of feel sorry for him because, you know, he's, I don't know what he drank. Uh, well, yeah. I do, but I mean, he drank it and, Well, you know, I took it,
2: as it's, he's supposed to be Prometheus bringing fire to the humans. So yeah, like yeah, he, yeah, yeah, exactly. That's what he I mean. brings his godlike essence into water, which right. forms us, I guess,
1: maybe. Yeah, yeah but I mean, you still like, Because you don't know that these guys are kind of not on the up and up. But, (laughs) you know, uh, but you see that you say, oh, my gosh, he's just disintegrating and what's happening. Yeah. The movie was really cool. And because you really don't get sci-fi like that anymore.
3: Um, Yeah. It's um, it's interesting because I heard uh, Harry Knowles describe it this way. He said, you know, this is not a movie about what if. Uh, like space oil riggers found aliens, or what if Marines found aliens? This is very much like you know, you know right now we 're sending out Kepler missions or not kepler missions, but we 're doing all this Kepler survey stuff to try and find planets where there 's life and This is a movie about what if we found something and we sent scientists out and scientists found aliens you know in this, in the same way that there have been a plethora of movies of what if aliens came here. And guess what? They're hostile. This is what if we went out there and we found aliens and they were hostile? Which is a. It's just Mm. a little twist on it that makes it really interesting. Um, And man, those. All of the themes that they are playing with in this movie are the same themes through Alien. There's still these weird gender issues. There's still these weird. um, This whole idea of. uh, Like privatized space travel which of course is extremely important right now um but this man that scene when uh she comes to charlie Theron, or the, the two scientists come to charlie Theron, and charlie Theron basically says like you didn't spend a trillion dollars to get here we did if you had we would be doing this on your terms yeah. but we're doing this on my terms and it it just
1: makes her you know, into this like a very different kind of a villain you what know? i kind of like about charlie Theron in this is and lately, she's been playing so many over the top people. Even in young adult, she's kind of, you know, down yeah. sure this. She kind of just played it subtly, and yeah, um, you know, um, you you never quite knew what to make about exactly. her until the end. Because you, especially
3: when you first are introduced to her, she seems like you're Ripley. She seems like you know, she comes out of the thing and she's like doing push-ups and just being badass, and you're going, "Oh man, this is gonna be the character," but she's not that character no. at all.
1: Um, my my favorite character in the whole movie was David. Um, the android oh, yeah. it's and hard not to say that. that's not uh, a spoiler because everybody knows he is um, because one they made a really big deal about him not understanding human emotions yeah um, so he uh, huge spoilers again so if you don't want to hear he um, is just following orders and so is he he's not really the bad guy for right. infecting the one of the doctors and you know setting the course for all this stuff he's just doing what he's told and he doesn't understand what he's because he doesn't understand that he's being a bad guy. So to me that's kind of like heartbreaking for yeah. him. Like he's just basically following orders and he doesn't understand those uh things about him. Well, and it's it's a stroke of genius, honestly, because the my first wife just f- shook her head at me and we don't agree with
3: me. <laughs> the first few minutes of the movie are spent making me adore David. The first thing when when we see him watching Lawrence of Arabia yep. and he's quoting Lawrence of Arabia, and we see him go and He combs his hair like Lawrence. Like, just the idea of that. Like, that this android um, wants to be cool like Lawrence of Arabia. You know, like -hmm. like what, what are his motivations to do that? Where is he getting that idea that he wants? It's like, he's, he's trying to figure out
1: who he's going to be and and crafting himself. And that that, just that of him learning everything and everybody else is asleep, but he doesn't need to sleep. Just the, just the idea of that was
2: cool. It's like, yeah, what does the Android do for two years (laughs) (laughs) when everyone else is sleeping? (laughs)
3: Um, And so you, you start off loving David so much. He's so interesting that then to, to watch him make these choices that, you know, like you start realizing he is the one who is making bad things happen mm-hmm. and you kind of not sympathize with him but you feel bad for him because you feel like oh, well, he doesn't have the, the cognizant Yeah, that's choice, what I was trying to say. My wife doesn't agree with me. The the,
1: the free will to actually know what he's doing. Mike to my wife and why do you not agree with me, Laura?
4: I completely disagree. I think he gets it completely and everyone takes for granted that they think he doesn't get it. Like when there's Swin... David and the the douche guy, yeah, um, I was, I was, I are agree sitting with at you the table, and David has a crush on his girl, and he wants his girl, and he says something like, "Like, well, good thing you don't, you can't be disappointed." He has a crush then, on his
1: girlfriend. I didn't. Yeah, he he
4: watched her, and he 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 watched her, and he uh, watched guess, her yeah. dreams.
1: My wife's. And then he, than me.
4: <laughs> the boyfriend, mentioned something like, um, "Well, good thing like you don't have the capacity to be disappointed. and that's when David infected him. He gets, he upset gets it. He no one else. People take for granted that he doesn't get it and trust him too much when he knows exactly what he's doing. He understands human emotion. They just look think- at my
1: wife just blow my mind <laughs> that she understood a movie more than me. Good you, job, honey. You just, you just made you. me love that
3: movie more. <laughs> Holy shit! He was in love with, with her the whole time. I, I, I assumed he was. I have watching to watch it. the movie again now. I, was, I assumed. I assumed he was watching everyone sleep. I did. They I just do. figured like, oh, he's watching everybody sleep. <laughs> he's trying to learn. That's knowledge. really creepy. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And then I, yeah, you're totally did you right. Pick that up too Brad? because she. I didn't pick
2: up the love part, but I, I figured when her douchey boyfriend was talking down to him while he was drunk, that uh, once he said, well, what was the line or something that just, I, you don't see it on Michael Fassbender's face, but you know that. Um, why do you, when, David asked
4: why, when David asked, "Well, why do you think my creators created me?" And the yeah. douche said because they could, and he, and David said something the yeah, do you like, know
2: how? Do you know
4: how disappointing that is? And the douche guy was like, "Well, you don't have the capacity to be disappointed."
2: Yeah, I think that's when he's like, "Okay, I'm going to infect this guy. Like, I <laughs> I want to infect somebody, but he just earned it by oh. saying that to me." Oh man! So, I but yeah, the wife. whole sleeping it just blew being my mind
1: and gave that movie well, just a whole new level of it gives complexity. David, it gives it gives that re- whole relationship
3: more of a complexity too, because I realize that... Then why was he keep on calling her at the end of the movie? Well, no, I mean because that, and because she is the one, out of all of them, he would be the most fascinated with, because she um, you know, they they draw this weird uh, and very interesting binary between faith and science, and in fact sort of parallel the two of them in this movie because uh, where they they sort of posit that science has become fairly, you know, uh, the winner, if you will, that um the the like darwinism is the new idea and these guys who are following science in a lot of ways are and our scientists are the crazy people you know they're the new you know believers if you will um and it would make sense that david would be the most fascinated by her because it, she is on one hand like him where everything is about rules and science and everything but also has this soul kind of an idea to her yeah that oh man I love this movie. Um, yeah, and that line about, do you have any idea how disappointing it would be to hear that from your god? It was just, I love Damian Llof so much. Uh, so yeah, good job, Lori. Yeah, absolutely. I, I never forget, I never saw that. Because I, I was, probably because I was so enwrapped. In, in a way, and, I'm kind of embarrassed. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's so obvious now. Well, because I would, you know, I was waiting for there to be something popping out of somebody's
2: chest, and see, I just took it yeah. the other way
1: that he didn't know what he was doing. He was just following yeah. orders from the old Wayland guy. Yeah, exactly. Guy Pierce who didn't look like Guy Pierce at all. Which
2: no. why did he have to wear? Like, why did they get Guy Pierce to wear makeup? Why did they just find an old guy? Um, like, granted, Guy Pierce does an amazing job acting as an old man. Yeah, that's probably why. <laughs> I think that's why. <laughs> but, well, that um, and I guess you.
1: So, I mean, he still that, looked like he was in makeup. So yeah, it's like I mean, just the just yeah. action old, parts though. Actor. I guess you'd have to still cast accomplished actor Hero yeah, you are know, still I, alive <laughs>
3: yeah I don't I don't disagree with you and in fact oh dude that oh how cool would
2: that have been oh sweet um, as just became a producer yeah
3: yeah yeah I, I agree with you that they could have gotten somebody instead of Guy Pearce to do it because it did it, out of all of the effects in the movie that is the one that kind of bothered me a little um but having him on the ship man that was cool
1: yeah <sighs> so the movie's really cool by the way And now I have to see it again because (laughs) my wife just blew my mind. (laughs) Um, Yeah, exactly. Man. Um, No, you know, there's... The the fascinating part to me, uh, too, about the movie is how much do you explore and is it really worth it to explore those certain things? Yeah. And it kind of, you know, it's the science and, um, you know, the God thing. If you explore and you find out the answer to what you're looking for, is that better or is it worse? Because... Uh, in the Alien movie, it's definitely worse. It's actually
3: very much... Uh, I would love to sit down and watch this movie right next to Sunshine. Uh, not just because there is an actor that links the two movies, but because they are both movies about the dangers of trying to touch your god. Um, and it's... Uh, it's so good, man. Every time that there is a line about that, it's just... It fe- it makes this movie feel so much deeper than, than even Alien. Like, certainly better than any of the Alien sequels. Um, but even Alien, like... At the end of the day, Alien is just, they they get somewhere and some weird shit happens. But this movie is is trying to at least have things that you can think about when they're over. And, and in fact, all you can do is think about stuff when it's over. Because yeah. there are no answers in this movie. You never find out what the black ooze is, what were the worms, how do the things work. Because it doesn't matter. Uh, in fact, if you did, part of what what made Alien so scary when it happened was that uh, because it was all H- based on that H.R. Geiger stuff, it was so inhuman. It-, it was stuff we couldn't we couldn't wrap our heads around. That if they if they had tried to explain things, um, much sort of in the way that some of the sequels even do, it it takes the edge off. You know, it's it's like the thing. What part? What makes the thing so disturbing is that we can't figure it out. And if if in this movie they tried to explain through some weird made up science, what any what any of this stuff that was going on really was,
2: it would it would diminish like when you well, have the force and then you try to explain that it's based on midichlorians.
1: and
3: <laughs> Exactly.
1: Exactly. Uh you know what, yeah, you know, with this movie though, my favorite one of my favorite things too is all the kind of the winks to alien and oh, yeah. subtle. I mean when the the weapons of mass destruction that the aliens that were gonna unleash on Earth. Yeah. Um I mean those were like the face hugger pods. Yeah, you know what I mean, and uh, but the, obviously the scientific version. So when that giant uh, face hugger at the end jumps on the alien guy, you know they're able to evolve into the xenomorphs. Yeah, to make it smaller and more effective because I mean that big thing couldn't go anywhere. So now that the xenomorphs can impregnate them with their mouth, and uh, I just thought it was really interesting. Yeah, um, the little clever wings and. I didn't even think about it, but it also ties in Alien vs. Predator. Does anyone remember that in Alien vs. Predator, uh, Lance Hendrickson's character, uh, Hendrickson goes goes to the Antarctica because he thinks he can find everlasting life oh, in yeah. a pyramid built by ancient civilizations? Oh, goodness. I, I really don't want to tie that I mean, I, I mean, it's a very loose one, but I mean, it kind of is no, the same right. thing. where there are... You know that Wayland in that one was looking for a way to not die, and he yeah. was doing the same thing in Alien vs. Predator. One of the things that is... Uh, Do you think David, David uh, Nelof watched it? He's like, I'm going to put that in this
3: movie, <laughs> too. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make a movie that makes Alien vs. Predator seem really yeah. cool. <laughs> Thanks, Paul uh, W S Anderson. <laughs> <laughs>
1: um,
3: I actually... like One of my favorite things about this movie is that all of the nods to Alien are so subtle, uh, with the exception, spoilers, of the very last one, where a thing that is clearly a
1: proto-xenomorph comes out of the dude's chest. Um, but you almost kind of knew everything that else was going to so, happen, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. even when uh, she had the surgery to take out the thing that was impregnated in her, you could kind of see the... It, it, I yeah, mean, at first, the it looks like a xenomorph. At yeah. first, I was like, holy yeah, I mean, crap, the, there is a chestburster yeah. inside of her. But um, then it, when it came and hit the alien, it was just a giant face hugger, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. mean, but it had a nice kind of subtle step because the first monsters that attacked them kind of even had the same mouth and... Yeah
3: yeah they open up the same way yeah. and things like that, so it's kind of interesting. I, even in um especially in some of the th- the themes and things like that, like I said about you know having having a deal with the corporation and this idea that they are running everything this the subtle little thing in there to have um First of all, the mistrust of uh, androids in general. This idea that like they look human, and we made them look human, so we would trust them, but we can't trust them because they are going to turn on us, and they are working for the man. Um, uh, all of that, and and then the fact that David calls uh, what's her name Vargas uh, Charlie Um He calls her mum very much in a in a reminiscent way of calling the ship mother um, or father. In the fourth one, uh, yeah. but all that kind of stuff. The fact that they don't—they don't just do it and make yeah. you feel like, oh, it's the same universe. Like, no, it's it's close. It feels the same,
1: but it is it is its own thing. And yet, very much. Uh, I love your idea for the second one, where you have a chick searching for the aliens to find yeah. them. I it's a it's chick really cool. and her
3: robot head in an alien spaceship flying around space. Right, so, like that is the coolest idea for a space adventure. Like it really, it's a, it's a fifties pulp novel and you can even see the cover. Like it looks like those books that my dad was reading 20 years ago. Like, ah, man, what an awesome original idea for another movie. Like I would want to see that more than I would ever want to see another
1: movie with an alien in it. Well, you know, the next one will, they'll probably want to put aliens. Yeah. They'll in
3: find it. a way to get a xenomorph in there and they'll fuck it up because Damon Littleoff will be off making a TV
1: show. It'd or be, maybe look really at the same exact say. guys. I read an interview with uh, Ridley Scott, and he said he would make a sequel to Prometheus. Yeah.
3: My fingers are very much crossed for that, because, man, this was so good. And
1: you hope it just makes enough money where, you know, I think where it will. it'll fast-track it.
3: I think it, will. I think it will. I think it will, too. Yeah, because they got to do it before Ridley Scott dies. Hey. I, I know. I said it so that it, it doesn't happen. I said it so it doesn't happen.
2: Well, if he does, James Cameron might do the sequel. God
1: damn it. <laughs> <laughs> no, no,
2: no, no. You saw that poster, didn't you, for Prometheus's? I oh, didn't. Oh, <laughs> D- I didn't just make that up?
4: No, no, no. Aww. I've seen it on the
3: internet already, yeah. Prometheus's. <laughs> what a horrible title. <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, this time, the dialogue sucks. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, you should go see Prometheus, because it's really good. Oh, absolutely. And it got better after my wife explained it to me. <laughs> Yeah, I can't wait to see it again because, man. So, next week's a big deal for us, guys. Next week we'll be at Denver Comic Con. Oh, okay. June 15th, 16th, and 17th at the Colorado Convention Center in downtown Denver. You should stop by and see us because we are going to be running some contests and we're going to give away free swag. And you can sit down and hear yourself on our podcast. And we'll also be doing panels and interviewing, hopefully, some talent around there. Um, we're gonna be doing all that stuff. We're gonna be doing that's lots of sure. stuff, so make sure you stop by.
3: And we'll still be seeing a movie. I think we're gonna try to see uh, or, uh, uh Jersey Rock Shore Shark Attack. Right? Oh Jersey Shore
1: Shark Attack. Jer- yeah. Jersey
3: Shore Shark Attack. Uh I think airs on Sci Fi sometime
1: next week. <laughs> so we'll have to watch that and review it. Absolutely. But actually we will be seeing uh, I'll be seeing it, I don't know if you guys are gonna come along, Rock of Ages and That's My Boy. Um, I wanna see Rock of Ages. Cool. I'd Mostly love to see both of those with you. Thanks, Brad uh well if i'm off work i guess i'll drag myself to you are off work days. you have the whole weekend off yeah <laughs> lawyered <laughs> <laughs> so you can email us real nerds at gmail.com you can tweet us real underscore nerds you can like us on facebook you can call us at 720-663-7375 thank you and you can also listen to us on itunes and download us for free what am i forgetting I think I got everything. Oh, you can go to our website, realnerdspodcast.com. Make sure you see us at Denver Comic Con. Yeah, dude, because you cool can stuff, finally man. put a face to the amazing voice that you have ear fucking you right now. Yeah, Brad's I did that. Face. I, I brought that back from the beginning when you said it. Actually, I said it because you were talking about it, and now I just ended the show with ear fucking.
3: I wasn't kidding. Jersey Shore Shark Attack is a real movie. I know.
1: I'm I'm looking at your IMDb page. You have from open from the man who brought you Chupacabra terror. <laughs> Hey, see you at Denver Comic-Con.